from the greenhouse where it's currently raining and it's going to be loud. Sorry. It's the Adam Ragusea podcast, episode 84. And let me tell you something. I, a couple of months ago, started taking uh, an antidepressant called sertraline, which uh, you probably know from the brand name Zoloft. And it has been dismaying, but more than that, fascinating the extent to which this medication has affected my digestive system and my appetite, like profound stuff. And then I've looked it up, I've done the Googles, and I have seen that this is in fact incredibly common, that all kinds of antidepressants have a profound effect on appetite and on the gut in particular. Uh, I want to know why. So I invited my brother on the show. Hey, it's Dr. Tony Ragusea, who uh, is not just my brother, but he's also a board certified you know, clinical psychologist uh, at uh, what Evangelical Community Co uh, Hospital in uh, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. You got that right. That's where I'm at. All right. All right. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Okay. Uh, and in addition to his doctorate, he also has a, what is it, a postdoc or a second master's in psychopharmacology? I, I have a, I have a postdoctoral master's. So it's, it's a master's degree intended for people who already have their doctorate and just, you know, like, you know, just like can't get enough. <laughs> right. Okay. It's basically a postdoc. Yes. Okay. So like, this, this is what you do. Okay. So, um, maybe a, a good place to start would be, uh, basically, how do we think that, um, these particular kinds of antidepressants, SSRIs, basically, how do we think those work? Okay. Uh, so, uh, the SSRIs. Okay. So let's, let's define some terms here. So SSRI good. is an abbreviation that stands for selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And, and you were so good. You said, you said abbreviation instead of acronym, because it would only be an acronym if you pronounce it SRI. <laughs> Fine. Anyway, Have continue. It your way. Uh, so an SSRI, take your pick, abbreviation acronym. Um, it means selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And, uh, and, and what they do is they block the reuptake of serotonin um, in the brain, it, it's blocked back, going back up into the neurons. So what happens is that uh, serotonin gets released from uh, certain neurons in the brain and the drug winds up blocking the transporter, which carries this, the serotonin back up into the neuron. Okay. So it, the effect is actually on a transporter molecule. And by blocking the, the transporter molecule, it prevents serotonin from being re, uh, brought back into the neuron where it would normally get recycled and reused. But by being left out in the synaptic cleft, which is the gap, this tiny, 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 tiny little gap that exists between two neurons, um, by sitting out in the gap longer, um, the receptors on the postsynaptic neuron uh, have a longer amount of time to attach to serotonin molecules. And so the end effect is that you have more stimulation of the postsynaptic neuron than you would have had otherwise. However, if you'll, if you'll bear with me for another uh, second here. <laughs> I'm there. I'm so there. Okay. All right. All right. That, that is, that, I love having my postsynaptic thing stimulated, whatever. Not a lot of people I've met can do it, but you know. Yes, that's right. Uh, so, so, uh, so there's more activity in the postsynaptic neuron, um, and and what ends up happening is that, that. So you might think that that like that's the therapeutic effect right there, but that's that's probably not the therapeutic effect. Okay, that's not where it comes from. Um, where what probably happens is that um, by sort of overstimulating the postsynaptic neuron by boosting the stimulation, what winds up happening is that the receptors on the postsynaptic neuron wind up closing off. The, the specific term for that is down-regulating. Um, so the, the number of receptors on the other side de decreases. And when they decrease, that results in an, an overall less responsive postsynaptic neuron, okay? So it's sort of like the postsynaptic neuron is saying, okay, enough already. I, I got the stimulation. This is too much. This is more than we usually do. I'm going to slow things down here. Okay. And you might say that sounds like classic desensitization. Yeah, that's right. right. You're kind of, yeah, that's right. Exactly. You're sort, you're sort of desensitizing the postsynaptic neuron. Okay. So, so the, you might say then, well, okay, well, is that the therapeutic effect? And, and then the answer of course is that no, <laughs> the, the way I explain it 
is, is that, um, that that is what we can see in this process is like, imagine like a giant machine, okay, that, that is your brain. And it has like billions of gears in it. And you're staring down at this machine with billions of gears in it. And, and someone says to you, yeah, we don't know how exactly how this machine works, um, but uh, uh, it's something's broken. It's not working, but but it's been like thousands of years since anyone's had to do any repairs on it, and no one knows how to fix it again. So can you like try your best to fix it? And and you're looking at this giant box of gears, thinking, well, how do I fix this? And you've got a rock in your hand, and you say, okay, well that gear right there looks a little wonky to me, like it's a little vibrating a little bit. If I hit that gear with the rock then it might go back into place and work better. So you drop the rock into the machine and it hits that gear and bumps it a little bit, but it doesn't stop there. Okay. It winds up falling into the, 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 the box of gears and winds up having um, less predictable downstream effects. Okay. So what we think is that um, the downstream effect of downregulating the postsynaptic receptors ultimately goes down to the genetic level and alters the way how genes express themselves. And then that, that change works its way back up to the, to the cellular level in some way that we do not understand. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's great that we're all on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well- let me, so I want to go ahead and specify, you know, you can say whatever you want and you're, you know, you've, you've certainly earned the opinion, but given that it's my show, I feel like I should also say that like, I want you, dear listener, to seek treatment in whatever way makes sense to you. Um, whatever you feel you need, I want you to go to someone and, 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 and try it. Um, someone reputable. Um, so any, any bad things that I might say now about my experience with antidepressants uh, is, is entirely personal, um, and we all have to make our own cost-benefit analysis, and I'm not trying to scare you away or anything, right? Yes, correct. Uh, okay. Um, do you, you have privately shared with me like a top-line opinion on the value of SSRIs. Mm-hmm. Do you feel comfortable saying that in public right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So, okay, let me, let me answer that question this way. So uh, I, think that, um, I think that the public perception of SSRIs, which are, the, and, and that's only one type of antidepressant, right? There, there are, the there are several nowadays, others. Right? It, it's, it's, that's right. It's, it, they are the most commonly prescribed antidepressants currently, but there are many others. And, and they all work slightly differently. Um, and... And I think the public perception about antidepressants just in general, because I don't think the public really understands the difference between them all, but I think the public perception is that antidepressants are helpful medications that work really well at, at fixing depression and maybe even anxiety. Um, the, the reality is that uh, antidepressants are pretty mediocre uh, uh, psychotropic drugs as, as a class. Um, they are more helpful in, in certain types of people, uh, in certain situations. So uh, what I say here needs to be taken with a, a grain of salt here. Um, your results may vary, and I can't predict what any one person's response will be to these medications. But um, in general, SSRIs and other antidepressants tend to work better on people with more severe types of depression and on people with more chronic types of depression that um, are, seem less likely to be related to a specific stressor in a person's life. Um, so uh, uh, if it seems like the person is upset, and you know, very, very upset by something that's happened, let's say, let's say it's the death of a loved one, okay? Right. Um, that kind of a situation is, is one that probably isn't going to get much benefit from antidepressants. Um, right. But someone like me who basically won the lottery in life and yet I'm going completely insane. <laughs> maybe it's just something that's wrong with yeah, my brain, right? Uh, possibly, although, although there's really no evidence that there's anything wrong with your brain. Let's, let's be also clear about that. There's really no evidence okay. that, that people who benefit from antidepressants have, well, okay, I'm going to qualify that. Um, okay. There is some evidence that, that people who are depressed, okay, clinically depressed, not just, not just unhappy, not just sad, 
not just a little bummed out, not having a bad week. Okay. These are, these are clinically depressed people who have um, clinically significant impairing symptoms and have had them for a sustained period of time. Um, those folks, uh, their brains do work differently in, in uh, MRI studies and functional MRI studies. Uh, what you can see is that, that par certain parts of the brain are um, smaller. Um, so there's evidence that the brain is under stress and it's, and it's resulting in a, in a shrinkage of overall volume of, of certain parts of the brain. That's what we believe is, well, hey, is going on there. That tracks, let me tell you. But, but whether that's a, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but whether that is a, a symptom of depression or a cause of depression is unclear, yeah. okay? So it, it's, yeah. it may be that it's just the stress of being that depressed that results in the brain changes. We, we haven't necessarily, right. we haven't identified a vulnerability in, in certain people's brains that would explain why they're depressed and other people aren't, okay? There's right. no known simple genetic vulnerability or structural difference that would explain it. But the big picture thing that I feel I want to make sure that we communicate at this juncture before we move on to talking about the effect of an such antidepressants on our digestion and our appetite is that um, you don't have to take Dr. Ragusea's word for it. You don't have to take Mr. Ragusea's word for it, which you really shouldn't take at all. Um, just go on the Googles, look for you know recent literature reviews on SSRI efficacy or something like that. And they'll all tell you the same basic thing, which is that the observable clinical effect of these drugs is pretty modest modest in most people. That's right. So must that's be right. weighed against the side effects, which for me have been considerable. Which we'll get to in a second. And, 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 okay. and so... Uh, so the, the, the effect size, the statistical effect size of antidepressants as a whole um, is about 0.3, which is uh, uh, relatively- Jesus, what? Which is relatively small. Did um, you just say that? Yes, I did just say that. Um, so, so, what that, well, so what that means is, so, so think of effect is that size- a controversial, for, Is that a controversial scientific evaluation on your part or is no, that like the I, mainstream no, I mean, perspective? There, no, there's going to be some variability in depending on the study that you look at and of course the population that is studied. Okay, so you, you may get yeah, different sure. variabilities. Um, this is kind of a, a, an overall meta generalization. Um, yeah. And, uh, and to, for, for those of you who you know, didn't take statistics in, in college, you know, and an effect size, the statistical effect size is, is, a, is a number between zero and one, uh, uh, usually. Uh, it could be negative as, as well as positive. Uh, so it would be negative zero point something. Um, but it's yeah. between zero and, and one. And, um, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an estimate of how much better a dr the drug is beyond what you would get from the placebo from effect placebo. alone. <clears throat> okay. So, so antidepressants have a fairly substantial uh, a placebo effect, okay, as do most right. psychotropics, um, medications used to treat mental illness. They all have a, a yeah. pretty sizable placebo effect. Um, what I'm saying is, is that, that, that the benefit, if you nullify that placebo effect, antidepressants um, have a, a relatively small effect beyond that. Um, so they're not really adding much more beyond a placebo. Um, okay. in most people, again, there are exceptions. And indeed in most people, from what I've read, the most common side effect, at least when you first start these drugs, and these are drugs you have to like take for many weeks to let them build up in your system before you start to see clinical benefit. And that's probably um, why they take several weeks, by the way, is that, that that's the amount of time it takes for that genetic epigenetic uh, response to take place. Oh, for that gene expression to actually happen. That's right. And yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and circle its way back up to the surface where it results in cellular changes, right? Um, so that process takes several weeks. Okay. Um, but it is very common in the initial, especially in the initial phases when you first get on, mm -hmm. for people to have upset stomach and diarrhea with yes. SSRIs. Yep. Um, Yes, my life force has been leaving my body at an unprecedented rate. If you can hear the sound of the rain outside the greenhouse, that's basically been my life. Um, so, do we have what? What would you think, based upon the science that you have looked at? What is your best guess as to why these drugs cause upset stomach and diarrhea? <laughs> um, so, the the reason for those particular side effects uh, probably has to do with uh, the reality that most of the serotonin receptors in, in your body, in cells, are not located in your brain, 
but are located in the rest of your body, particularly the gut. Yeah. What the hell is their serotonin doing in my gut? What is its job there? Is it produced there? Lots of, lots of, lots of hormones and all kinds of crap gets made by cells in the, in the gut and gut lining, right? Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, sure. It gets, it does get made there, um, uh, in, in some cells. And then there are other places where it has effects and where it does get made. So for example, uh, platelets, uh, platelets mm-hmm. rely on, uh, on serotonin to have their, uh, clotting effect. Okay. Um, and, but platelets don't produce, uh, uh, serotonin, uh, but they do uptake it. <clears throat> they do, they do receive it. And so when you right. use an SSRI and it messes with the transporter that connects the serotonin to the platelet, it, it's, it reduces the clotting effect. And that results in a, a, um, a slight, but notable increase in risk of GI bleeding, uh, particularly for people who are at risk yeah. for that. People who are taking NSAIDs or elderly people. Um, but in the cases of gut serotonin, but in case of gut so, serotonin do, so it's basically, do we have, is, are we, is the drug having the same effect that it has on the brain? It's doing the same thing to the gut. It's preventing the reuptake of serotonin in the gut. And that's interfering with normal gut processes in some way and causing inflammation. Uh, uh, that's my understanding. Understand that I, I am not a gastroenterologist or a, other specialist in, in the gut. Um, That's okay. And, I've, 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 I've done my research and like what you just said is basically yes, what they say. Like yes. <laughs> they think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my, yeah, my specialty is a brain and like, trust me, that's enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, yes, but all, yes. all this, all this talk about how the gut is the second brain is not just fodder for like cheap supermarket magazines, right? Like that's kind of, kind of seems to be kind of real in a way. The, 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 the side effects you mean? No, that the gut is the second brain. Oh, the gut is the second brain. Right. Yes. Um, or interaction, profound interaction between gut and brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, particularly the gut, the gut microbiome, right? Which is its yeah. own kind of thing. Um, yeah. I mean, the gut microbiome and uh, th- there's all kinds of things going on with the gut. It's, it's a really complicated system. And, uh, and, and we're just beginning to understand its connection to your mood and mental health but it's clear that it does have one. Um, but it's going to take us many years to tease all that apart. No doubt. The search goes on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed, sponsor of this episode. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so that you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers highest quality matches compared to the other job sites. It's not just faster. It's according to a recent Indeed survey. And here maybe my favorite personal thing about Indeed, which is that now with uh, they're leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day to have a matching engine that is constantly learning from your preferences so that the more you use Indeed, the better it gets at finding you the right person you need to hire for your business. And that's what it's really all about. And that's why more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners of my program can get a $75 sponsored job credit and get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ragusea. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ragusea right now. Support the program by saying you heard about it on the pod. Indeed.com slash Ragusea. Get that $75 sponsored job credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. And we need uh, my brother, Dr. Tony Ragusea, to talk about uh, why these medicines seem to impact uh, appetite. Um, I will put my cards on the table and say that, um, you know, long, well, (laughs) uh, as you, my brother, who has known me for 41 years, as you know, um, and as the viewers who have known me for about five years, they know that, you know, my, my body composition tends to kind of like go back and forth a lot, uh, <laughs> that whatever is going on in my life and my brain tends to manifest in my body in really obvious ways. Um, and so where was I, I, uh, you know, sort of toward the, you know, end of the summer, early fall, 
I kind of like rocketed from like 190 to 210. And then around there is where I had my little breakdown and which, and I did the thing that people do. And I imagine this is kind of a story you hear a lot and probably dismays you, but like a person is in crisis. And so they try to get an appointment with someone to help them. A psychologist usually takes like months to get in to see, whereas you can see like a physician or a PA really quickly. And what can they do? They can give you drugs. So that's what you try first. Did I, is that like a, like a really sad story that I just told you? That's just typical. That's just how it goes. That's, that's the norm. Yeah. Uh, most people go see their primary care doc and, um, what I, how and I no shade it, on my, on, on Dr. Toma. No, She's no, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's like totally understandable. You know, most people already yeah. have a relationship with their primary care doc and they feel comfortable with them. So like, it's understandable why they go there first. Um, and they trust that their doc would like tell them if they thought that like psychotherapy would be better for them or something like that. But the reality is that most primary care docs don't do that. And they, and they don't have enough right. expertise in mental health treatment to know like when medication is more appropriate or psychotherapy is more appropriate. They, they really don't know much about what we do. And, and so, right. yes, you, you go to a, a, a medical professional. Um, you're That's probably if you're in crisis, you should medication. go see whoever you can see, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm not against that. Um, but if someone has the time and luxury and are, and, and are willing to like, look into this a little bit. Um, what I, my recommendation is always that you start by going to see a mental health professional first. And then, and if that person thinks you should go see a physician, then you should uh, maybe consider that. Um, but uh, I, I'd start there rather than starting with the medical professional. Got it. Okay. Uh, nonetheless, it is what it is. And so uh, hopped right on the, the sertraline, which is uh, more, po- more commonly known as Zoloft. And uh, yeah, um, appetite plummeted. Um, yeah. And appetite only comes back with cannabis. That's literally the only thing that does it. Um, okay. and, uh, so yeah, this morning I was down to like 193. Um, and this is complicated for me because I know that a lot of my psychological problems are deeply intertwined with very old body image issues that I have. And so it's to me kind of this, you know, there be dragons, this is hazardous, um, cause I, I don't really trust myself to make smart decisions regarding, um, you know, the, the cost benefit analysis of this medication. I also want to go ahead and make sure that the listeners understand that, you know, lest you are thinking that you should, you know, if you want to lose some weight, just go hop on some, you know, go tell a, so- a sob story to your physician and hop on some Zoloft. Be aware that like lots of people have the exact opposite side effect. They tend to gain a lot of weight eat a lot more, get a lot hungrier. Right. So please don't be doing that. Um, the question is, why does the, why do these drugs affect our appetite? So okay. profan- like profoundly. <clears throat> well, no, no, okay. All right, hold on now. Um, in uh, me. That, yeah. In you. That's right. That's one right. out of they, one out of one atoms. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a hundred percent. All right. That's, that's a hell of that's, a finding. It is. One. Hu- <clears throat> but, but, you know, you know, you know, the joke, you know the joke data, I just, as they say, you know the joke I just told Lauren? I said, right. if something happens once, it's a funny story you tell at a party. If it happens three times, it's journalism. If it happens a thousand times, it's science. <laughs> um, so the, the overall data, uh, it, it doesn't suggest that, that antidepressants generally have a major effect on people's appetite and, and weight changes, okay? We have psychotropics that have much bigger uh, effects on people's appetite than the the typical SSRIs, okay, um, such as uh, the antipsychotics, um, mm. the uh, the the tricyclic antidepressants may have a, a greater uh, effect uh, because of their histamine effects. That's that, and that's largely the culprit in in psychotropics that that cause a lot of weight gain is its effects on histamine. Um, when you when you block histamine. Um, uh, then that increases appetite, uh, leads to weight gain. Um, but the SSRIs don't have a histamine effect. And, um, and, and while, yes, I think that there, the overall, I think, belief is that the antidepressants can't, the SSRIs can still cause weight gain or weight loss, um, more likely weight gain. Um, it's usually modest and, and it's usually... Mm-hmm in people who have had it, have been taking these medications for a long time, um, you know, maybe over a year. But 
Um, but there are definitely, I think, cases of people that that uh, that gain maybe you know they they may gain ten pounds over uh, several weeks, maybe a couple of months of of taking an SSRI. Uh, I'm not saying that, that that doesn't happen or can't happen. But the other thing that, that is unclear uh, uh, is, is, is whether it's actually the SSRI that causes that weight gain or weight loss, or if it's another factor, okay? And maybe only indirectly the SSRI. So what I mean is that um, understand that people who are really depressed tend to have appetite disturbance as a symptom of their depression. And, and depression itself can the, the, the distress of depression can lead people to eat more as a way of comforting themselves, or it may cause people to eat less um, because uh, uh, some people who are under stress just tend to eat less. Like I'm one of those. Anxiety people. tends I, I to less under nuke, stress. nuke the appetite. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so that, that may be the cause of the weight change right there is just, is just how people hmm. feel. Um, but uh we don't actually know um, if, if, if the SSRI in, in, in any one person, if it's causing their change in weight, mm. it could be their mood. It could be that, that the SSRI is having an effect on the person's mood that in turn affects their eating habits. So for example, one of the most common ways that the SSRIs make people feel is they make people feel less. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So Kinda, what yeah. I mean by mm -hmm. that is that is that people on SSRIs will often say things like like I feel numb or apathetic, um, or uh, it may it just more indifferent um, right. to whatever stress is going on in their life, <clears throat> and um, and so because they feel less of things that may cause them to eat less um, if they were already overeating. Um, but it also might lead them to eat more if they're not paying as close attention to what they're eating. <clears throat> um, so there are ways right. in which the effects of SSRIs on people could affect their, their eating habits. Um, and then it's also possible that the SSRI itself could have some effect on changing appetite directly because there are, there are several serotonin receptor subtypes. And we know that at least some of them have a direct impact on uh, uh, modulating your appetite. Um, that said, it, 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 again, it's unclear that, that the SSRIs are always to blame uh, for, for changing sure, appetite. Sure, no doubt. You, okay. I, I think people people get that asterisk, okay? okay? Right. But here, let me tell you something. Okay, I, yeah. you know, um, eyewitness testimony uh, should be nearly worthless in, in, in court or in science, but um, here it is. Okay, so um, I do think that I, I am a, particularly self-aware person and I am particularly good at um, articulating my feelings. Um, and with that background, like I, in as much as a person can be sure about such a thing, I feel pretty sure that this pill is having a direct impact on my mm -hmm. appetite. It really feels like that. Mm -hmm. um, it does not feel like anything having to do with my mood. Mm -hmm. I feel I have felt my mood stabilize. I have gotten that kind of weird numb kind of robot thing where, um, you know, things that should feel really good don't feel as good as they should. Um, but the flip side is also true and that's great. Um, and, but anyways, um, but I, I, this just, it just feels really physical. And my little hypothesis that I went looking for some science to back to, you know, cause I really, I want, I did what the internet is for, which is to confirm what you want to believe. Right. So I went looking for other people to confirm my preconceived notion about what's wrong with me. And I found like very little, you know, science one way or another, cause it see, it feels like it could be a gut thing. You know, we know from other research, the extent to which, uh, gut dynamics and gut microbiome in particular affect appetite. And we have these mouse studies where they'll just, they'll transplant poop from one mouse's gut to another mouse. And that mouse will end up developing the body composition of the first mouse, right? Um, and so it seems to me that a very likely thing that could be going on here is that either by directly affecting my gut or by just agitating my gut such that I'm shitting out my life force and therefore um, depleting my gut microbiome, something that was causing some bug that was in there that was dominant previously and causing a biological chain of events that resulted in me being hungry, especially at night, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, that bug, I, I think that I think I flushed out that bug. That's my best guess. That's what it feels like. It feels profound and physical. It doesn't feel like it's happening in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I, so I can't rule that out. And and yeah. Um, no, 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 I can't. And, and like no one, I just went lo- like looking for like studies along these lines. There's like, I mean, people people are thinking about this, you know, indirectly and you know, approximately in all kinds of ways. But like, yeah, this is not a thing that anyone, any, I'm not, no one can confirm or deny what I just said. But you, as a scientist, I'm asking for your honest impression. <clears throat> Yes, I, I think that's definitely uh, possible. Uh, it definitely, I think it does occur in people uh, that they have a particularly strong reaction uh, to these kinds of effects of SSRIs, um, and and I can't you can never predict who will and who won't. That that's the other thing. You, just, you never know who's going to have what kind of reaction. Um, Indeed. Yeah. But further, and why and why I feel this experience has been interesting for me, and why I kind of wanted to get on the internet and talk about it. Yep. Well, there's two reasons. One. I can't talk about anything on this show other than what I'm actually thinking about this this week. So, uh, you know, that's just why it, what it is. It's not necessarily that I want to be talking about this publicly. It's just that I can't talk about anything else right now. Um, so here, that, there, there's that. The other thing is that, um, um, you know, every time I've had an experience where a medicine or a, or a recreational drug or a, a sickness or something um, pr- you know, provoked like a very strong swing in appetite in me. I have been reminded of the extent to which I, th- I suspect much of the variation in body composition that we see across the human race is the result of factors that are beyond our control. You know, like smug son of a bitch over there who's super skinny may think it's because he has better self-control and really it's just that he has less ghrelin or whatever. Like it's, it's, I mean, no doubt those higher functions are also relevant to these discussions. Of course they are. But I just feel it seems obvious that the lower functions are also highly relevant. And we should be, that should maybe let us let ourselves off the hook a little bit sometimes. And and probably more importantly, let other people off the hook sometimes, I think. Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think, but you're a judgy son of a bitch. So whatever oh, you skinny bitch, go ahead and talk, oh, man, it all comes out. All the, all the resentment. Yeah. Well, so, well, no, 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 no. So here's, okay. I mean, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. So here's the thing. No, no, no. I mean, I guess I, because you, you know, look, brothers torture each other and I yeah. have, you know, long since forgiven you in my own mind for any torturing that you did of me. Right. Okay. Um, it's just, that's just how it is. Okay. Um, but you did torture me about my weight a lot when I was a kid. I did. Um, and I always, indeed, exactly. And I always took it as you, I just took it at, 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 I took it at face value. Right. Um, you know, skinny guy feels superior to fat guy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but honestly, you know, what I, what I would like to ask you about it and is, I mean, I, in retrospect, you know, you were, you, you were just a, you were a small kid growing up. You were a slight kid mm-hmm. and you got pushed around a bit. And was, was this you dealing with that feeling or, or deflecting that feeling onto <laughs> me in some way? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, first of all, I don't know that I remember <laughs> such a long time ago. Um, but my, my inclination, my, my, my hunch is to say that um, no, I, I, I don't think it had much to do with deflection. And I, I honestly, I, I honestly didn't, didn't see um, like your difference in sizes between you and me is like um, a better than, less than kind of dynamic. Um, uh, it was just a lever that you could pull to torture me. Yes, that's, that's really what I think yeah. it was more about. Like, sure, yeah, yeah. like whatever yeah, would probably. have worked. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, it was also, I mean, I, it, it was also a somewhat. I mean, I'm not using this as a as a, as a full excuse here. It was a somewhat oh, different sh- time where where our like. Oh, it was radically different. No, no, no. It, it was radically different and the kinds of things that our parents did vis-a-vis this issue with Mm me well i think that they were acting with the very best of intentions and to an extent uh in accordance with the best science available at the time you know a lot of what they did looks to me like a mistake in retrospect and would certainly be frowned upon socially nowadays right yeah for Um, sure um yeah in polite society at least you know 
Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah, the way way we we talk about weight and 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 kind of just our, our appreciation of of weight as a sensitive issue is it's just really changed um, since you and I were kids. Um, and so I'm not sure that it, that if we had if this were happening now, I don't know if I would be picking on that lever in the same way that I did. It's possible <laughs> I would. I don't know. <laughs> that's right. Six year old Tony is worried he's going to get canceled. <laughs> Well, it's better that we just, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's better that we just get this all out in the, right at the beginning, so that like if the canceling is going to happen, like it happens like, right, exactly. right away. Uh huh. Well, let's go ahead and uh, point everyone to your content so that they can decide if they want to cancel you. Uh, so, Tony, Doctor Tony Ragusia makes lots of things for public consumption on the internet. Would you tell the people about some of them? I mean, I, I, I do less of it lately. I've just been too busy doing other stuff. But um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I have on, on my YouTube page, um, uh, or if you go to Facebook and you go to like Art by Ragusia, um, that's my handle on Facebook and Instagram. Um, uh, I do post a lot of pictures of either photography or, or woodworking that I do um, on my YouTube. Cutting boards. If you're if you're if you're listening to the Adam Ragusia pod, you have a demonstrated elevated interest in cutting bird boards. Yes. Uh, Dr. Yes. Tony makes I, yeah, beautiful cutting make, boards. I do make a lot of cutting boards and, um, yeah. and, or, or do like drone videography is lately what I've been doing a lot of. And, um, uh, but on my YouTube page, I've also got some old videos, uh, trying to some teach some very simple basics of, of bonsai, the art of bonsai, uh, to people who mm-hmm. have like never done anything with bonsai before, um, trying to get, increase their comfort level with the idea um, and, uh, and, and, and I think I may have posted a couple of things on mental health topics too. Um, I should do more of that. People tell me I should do more of that, but I just, it, it's time consuming. <laughs> yeah. I don't do it. But you're, uh, I mean, you're, but you'll also be in local media frequently talking about, uh, psychology related topics. Yeah. Uh, you, you're in the paper a lot. Yeah, I'm you know, in the paper people want to yeah. sometimes on radio or TV or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. all of the, a lot of that is on the internet and findable. Uh, if you like more of this guy and you want to get some more of him, I just ramble a lot. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I was... punchy like you. Cause you, cause you know, no, 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 no. I'm, you were talking off the dome much better than I normally do. Like I, I'm a good writer. Um, and I'm good at, I'm good at delivering written stuff in a way that sounds natural and somewhat extemporaneous. Right. Yeah. But that's, I'm not in terms of talking off the dome. I'm way, you're way cleaner. You're way cleaner than me. I don't know, man. Um, you did that but segue then, and you give, into you, the you, ad like really well. Oh. Like that was really quick thinking. That's, and yeah, and this is a topic that I think a lot about. So like, I'm but no, this is your thing. This about. is why I called you. This right. is like your thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Anything else you want to tell the people about it? Um, uh, about SSRIs, uh, yeah, and yeah. in particular, as it applies to kind of diet and, um, I, I guess the 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 takeaway is, uh, I think that I would give is particularly to people who wind up being on SSRIs for a long time because that's that's increasingly common, right? Um, right. The 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 number of people who have been on on SSRIs for years or decades just just increases over time. And, and people often think that it's because that they like, they need to be on the medication. And that may be the case. Um, but in my experience, oftentimes it's just because the primary care doc, who is usually the one prescribing it, just hasn't had the time to, or the skill to talk to you about like taking you off of it. And you go in for a 15 minute med check and, and they don't even, maybe not even ask about your, your antidepressant or they may say, how's the antidepressant going? And you say, fine. And they say, all right, well, let's, let's not mess with that. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So right. they just sort of leave. And of on. course you, you can't cold Turkey SSRIs, right? You have to taper off. Um, so, so it gets, it gets more risky. Uh, I think at, at higher doses, uh, uh, it gets riskier the longer you've been taking it and it gets riskier with certain SSRIs like Paxil, it's somewhat safer with uh, uh, like fluoxetine, Prozac, which um, uh, has a very, very long half-life, um, which makes it harder to experience withdrawal symptoms from. But um, yeah. but uh, it, again, it's very hard to predict who, who will have a, a bad reaction to coming off cold turkey. And some people will have a hard time even with a slow taper, okay? 
Um, this happens very commonly and people don't recognize it. And, and they will often like, if they come off their antidepressant and they start feeling worse, or if they skip a couple mm -hmm. doses and they feel a lot worse, they'll interpret that as evidence that I should be on this medication because I feel terrible when I don't take it. Um, and they don't right. realize that what they're experiencing is a withdrawal effect from the medication. Yeah. Sure. So that's important to be aware of. Um, the, the, the point I was leading to was that if you've been on these medications for, for years or decades, understand that, that that's not entirely risk-free. And, and we don't fully understand what the impacts of really long-term antidepressant use is on the brain and the body. Um, and so I, I tend to discourage people from being on these medications longer than they need to, um, you know, unless they've got a real history of recurrent, you know, serious uh, depressive episodes that really do clearly benefit from antidepressant treatment. Um, most people should not be on antidepressants long-term. And, um, and one of the risks uh, is what you got at today, which is the, the, the weight gain effects of, of SSRIs. And it, it, like we said, it's or usually loss. weight gain. Um, and, and the longer that you're on these medications, the more that that weight may accumulate. Uh, it may be very subtle. Like it may not be like obvious, like what it sounds like you're maybe experiencing. It may be, you know, pound here, pound next week, pound next week, pound next week. And, and so people may, may chart that up to other factors and it may be due to other factors, maybe due to like Thanksgiving dinner, but um, it, it could be due to the antidepressant. And, and therefore, if you don't want to be on it, or if you have problems with weight gain um, and, and you've been on this medication for a really long time and may not be off it, you may want to talk to your doc about trying to come off of it um, and seeing if, if that helps your weight issue a little bit. Yeah. You know what I really struggle with? Like, I know that eating less, I feel better, you know? Yeah. And I know that that is at least partially due to body image issues that um, would be better, probably better addressed other ways. Um, you know, that's, 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 that's treating the symptom and not the cause, right? Um, but I also think that, I mean, I know um, how much... Um, binge eating in particular, like binge eating carbs or, which is a thing that I don't know if that's the kind of thing that I don't know if you ever do. I don't know if, I don't know if Tony Ragusea like ever <laughs> eats an entire box of milk duds. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing you do, you know? Uh, it's not my MO, but I'll tell you, uh, uh, since, since moving back up North, uh, I, I have, uh, cause I used to live in Florida. Um, I, I have gained, uh, you know, s several pounds. And, and it tends to happen in, in, in winter um, when it's like watching TV uh, is like the only thing to do. And, sure. and you just wind up out of boredom, just like eating lots of pretzels. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah. you don't understand this. This is the, you, you fundamentally, like, I just think that like, you know, genes, you know, gene expression for hedonism or whatever is just yeah. much stronger in me than it is in you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I definitely agree with and, that. Yeah. And, and that has been just interesting to me our whole lives. Um, but anyway, so the point is, is that it's like, so yes, a, you know, a pathological behavior and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, this is, I really want to distance my remarks from fat shaming. I think people should be who they want to be and eat what they want to eat. Okay. I'm As talking about I. me and my, my own, I'm talking about me and my things. Okay. So for me, what I would identify as kind of like a pathological behavior is kind of like solitary eating, like, getting away from people going upstairs in the dark in the night, you know, mm -hmm. or going downstairs and, you know, uh, and then just like piling sweet things in. And I know that that kind of, you know, when you get on, I call it the carb train. That's that constant cycle of, uh, you know, blood sugar spike and, uh, insulin spike and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, it's just this like, you know, vicious cycle that I know affects me psychologically in ways that I feel, I feel are beyond the body image issues, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like, you know, it's that, it's that sort of, it might be an inf the, the inflammatory responses associated with eating lots of sugar or I don't know, but I'd feel as though having way too much quick, having way, just having way too much gluc, my, my, gluc my blood glucose being high makes me cranky or, or maybe it's the ensuing, uh, um, uh, uh, insulin spike, right? I know it affects my mood. And therefore, if a drug can help me control my appetite and therefore avoid those episodes, 
is that not a legitimate psychological medication? Ah, oh yeah, we're, yeah, we're touching on a, on a on a controversial subject now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not telling you don't have to agree with that, but is that not conceivable? I mean, I'm not asking you to expect ex- accept that as an axiom, but yeah, is that no, like an uh, arguable position? No, yes, and and sometimes the SSRIs are like used for that, like in, in people who struggle with to to maintain a high weight. Sometimes they will get prescribed this as a rise in the hopes that it will add to weight gain. Yeah. Um, and they if you have a, weed, but okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah. And, and I, I mean, yeah, the, is it, is it, is it appropriate to, to use antidepressants to, to regulate? Yeah. Like weight in some way, is it appropriate to use the stimulants? We do shit off label all the time. They don't even know why no, the drug not, works for the thing it's prescribed for. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about off, just off-label <laughs> use. I'm talking about these kinds of like uh, issues, like, like again, like, like, is it okay to use stimulants that are used for ADHD? Is it, is it okay for like normal people to take just to help them stay up all night to study for an exam the next day? Right. Right. Um, and, I, and I and I suppose I would argue that that it's not because the healthier way to handle that problem is to start studying several days earlier. And what would benefit you is to like work with yourself or someone else to like not be in a position where you need a stimulant in order to do your job at night. Whereas what I'm the scenario that I'm like laying out is I think categorically different, right? Um, the, you could argue that the better solution to the problem is just to get, you know, for me to get control over my, my milk dudding or whatever. And, and I, and I might take that on board. On the other hand, I, I would think that like, if you compare me to the bulk of the human race, I am a person of uncommonly high self-control already. Okay. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm pretty good at like exerting effort. Okay. Um, I've tried. Okay. Um, and if I can, and if I can eliminate this thing if I can take a pill that will help me eliminate this behavior that is hurting my body and uh-huh. hurting my, me psychologically, uh-huh. that strikes me as legitimate as long as um, it's not doing me, you know, greater long-term harm. And that's a big question, right? And we, and we don't need to right. relitigate that because you just talked about all of the long-term harms of, of these drugs, right? Or potential well, long-term harms, yeah, right? There's, yeah, just more, a lot of unknowns, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I, I, I think you're making a, a perfectly legitimate point. Um, uh, and I also, maybe, maybe this is part of my broader kind of project mm -hmm. to try to get the kinds of people who would listen to a guy like me Mm -hmm. to be a little more open to the incretin mimetic drugs that have come out and are, um, you know, causing, you know, it's what, how Donald Trump has just lost a whole bunch of weight with possessing not an ounce of (laughs) self-control in his entire genome. Right. Uh I hate that that son of a bitch gets credit yeah. for his weight loss. All these politicians losing weight because they're on $3,000 a month drugs. Oh, it pisses me off. But on the other hand, I actually like am really in- encouraged by the promise of those drugs. And I'm dismayed by a lot of the fear mongering around them. Like fucking like Sher- Sharon Osbourne. Sharon Osbourne gave a quote to CNN and it's like, now it's a CNN story. And forgive me if it's not CNN, but it was some other major publication. But like Sharon Osbourne was just like, I went on, what, what's it called? What's the main, the fam- famous one called? Uh, Ozempic. Ozempic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ozempic. The, yeah. Okay. Um, she went on what, she, you know, probably was probably really Wegovy, but whatever. Uh, whatever she was on. And she said like, oh, the people need to know these drugs wow, you know, they, they're very dangerous because they, they, I mean, I lost so much more weight than I intended to do and I felt very sick to my stomach and I did not want food at all. And I'm just like, Sharon, take less. It sounds like your dose is too high. Like the hell, your complaint is that the drug is working too good. Take it less. That's not a problem with the drug and more profoundly, that is not the basis of a fucking mainstream news article, cable news network, or whichever of you committed this crime. A celebrity having a complaint about a drug is not news. Anecdotal reports with this stuff are nearly worthless unless they are extremely voluminous. 
Now, I am someone who will say that the only difference between journalism and science is that journalism is quick and dirty and science is slow and methodical, okay? Journalism is supposed to be sloppy. Three is a trend, okay? That's a thing, but there have to be at least three. There gotta be something. It can't just be Sharon Osbourne saying that she took too much of something. Jesus. I just want to point out that I think it was you just a few minutes ago called me judgy. It's so, it's, I mean, I don't know if it's because I spent so, I like, in re- I understand how much of myself I gave to that industry and how, you know, how many sacrifices I made and how, um, how much I hurt myself going above and beyond to try to save that godforsaken industry, um, in my own little way. And yeah, like I, it, it, it in so many ways has deserved its death you know, and I, and it's such a terrible thing for me to say. Cause I, I, especially on the local level, I feel that, um, legacy journalism and news organizations have done immeasurable good and their, their absence is a, a, a travesty, a catastrophe. Um, but, oh my God, wow. See, People's think- complaints about us were really, really valid. Oh Jesus. We were so smug for so long about people's core complaints about how we did our jobs. Like we were bad at our jobs. We were just bad at our jobs a lot of the time. You know, Adam, I, I think- Then again, I, so then again, so is most other people, right? So are most other people. Everybody, <laughs> half the people in any field suck, right? Or half the people in any field are, are of below average performance. Well, by definition. <laughs> that's an axiom. You have to accept that as an yeah, axiom. That's, right. that's just statistical reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think that uh, we've shown a lot of growth today here, Adam. Oh uh, yeah, because, okay. Yeah, this because, session is really good because I, I mean, see you, I see we're coming up on time. Wait, before, yeah. you, before we started today, you told me that that you could only talk about like one thing at a time, which was yeah. you know, appetite and SSRIs, and but now we've talked about two things: <clears throat> media uh-huh, criticism yeah. and SSRIs. So I, I think I think you know with practice you might be able to, to entertain more than two things in the course of a week. With practice, well, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it in the big chair next time. Yeah, yeah, someone other than my brother, someone other than my brother, Dr. Tony Ragusia. Uh, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. We should do this again sometime. We'll do someone on like uh, disordered eating or something like that. There's also a bonsai thing we could do. Yeah, we could do something on bonsai. Because there's, well, I'll tell you about it after the call. I don't okay. want to. Oh, you got well, some, you got yourself an early Christmas present. It's the it's the end of the episode, so only the really hardcore super fans are listening. So I'll give them a preview. Uh, yes, I, I this is. I don't know how I could do a cooler aquarium than my goldfish trough, but I think I've done it. Oh. Um, so it's a yeah, it's a crab habitat um, that uh, imitates a mangrove forest. Um, and so I, I'm, I want to grow these mangroves bonsai style, oh, cool. um, try to get them to try to train them. So they kind of arch over the rest of the tank and stuff. Interesting. Like that. Oh, I'm excited. Awesome. I want to see this. I'm going to justify doing it on my channel, uh, by doing a video about rice fish. Cause I'm stocking it with rice fish and rice fish actually are an incredibly fascinating topic, but this is also so I can make a video about my fish tank. I don't blame you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll, uh, well, I'll talk to you uh, soon. And uh, you, audience, uh, I'll uh, talk to you next time, whenever that may be. Uh, As you can tell, uh, I'm going through some stuff and work product may be spotty. And I'll just try to communicate with you about that as best as I can. Uh, Make good choices. Talk to you next time.